Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. So, Steve, we're back. Last week, we did, uh, we made all the marriage mistakes so you don't have to, part one. Uh-huh. And this week, we're back to do part two. And we have all kinds of wonderful, raw, fun stories to get really real so that we can tell everybody about all the marriage mistakes you and I personally made. It's always yes. a fun part of our podcast. <laughs> we Absolutely. Were, as we were preparing for this and kind of talking about it. Uh, yeah, we have some good stories about marriage mistakes. Yes. And so we're hoping that as people hear this, uh, first of all, they'll be able to be really honest about the fact that if they have any of these things that they're suffering from now, currently in their relationship, but also to to not do what we did was let it drag on for years or decades and start making changes now. Absolutely. Right? You can start adjusting right now. You don't have to stay on the same track. So with that, uh, let's launch into this thing. I love it. Um, I love it. First thing you and I talked about uh, for part two here was this concept in marriage that we're not enemies. We're in this together. Yeah. And that might yeah. sound obvious, but boy, as I look at back at the early years of my marriage, uh, there were, if I'm really honest, there were times where I did not believe that we weren't enemies. I know, right? Seriously. <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's me against her. <laughs> Absolutely. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that, you know, especially how we get into that place. Yeah. You, you would think in a marriage, you know, we've courted, we've dated, we're madly in love. This is the my dream person I want to, you know, I've always dreamed of, want to spend the rest of my life with. How in the world can we be enemies? Yeah. That makes no sense. Except... Well, and- <laughs> Except the, it does. The, the process that, that lands you in that place. We think, you know, just because you signed the marriage certificate and 
head out for your honeymoon doesn't mean that things are magically going to change. We bring with us everything that's happened to that marriage relationship. I like to, I like, I, sometimes I'll tell my clients, you need to realize that when you're headed off to your honeymoon, you've got your physical luggage and then you've got all the other luggage that you can't see that mm-hmm. you're bringing with you. Yeah. And that yeah. you're going to unpack in the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, that is, that is so true. I mean, I, I, and I love this concept. You and I were talking about this, you know, pre uh, pre-recording and, it's so interesting how, you know, both of our stories, but along with the stories of our clients, how there are, there are many ways in which, which addicts find themselves kind of, kind of arriving at this point. Um, but it's, it's definitely one of the more common uh, elements that I see with the guys that I work with that are married. Um, and, and a lot of the, this stuff doesn't come from necessarily the relationship itself. I kind of had this for me. I kind of had the stage set in in my childhood after my uh, after my dad passed away. I, I I came out of the funeral from that, having heard a lot of you know really really cute phrases like uh, you know you got to be the man of the house now, um, you got to take care of things. You know you're the you're the guy who's got to watch out for these women. I had you know two sisters and a mom, and those things are all like like really cute, and they you know it sounds it sounds like a valiant line in, you know, like Anne of Green Gables, but it's not, <laughs> but in real life, it's, uh, that's horrible advice to give to a 13 year old kid. And I remember that coupled with some other experiences I had, I, 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 I developed this notion of, in some ways you could say this was one of the biggest factors setting me up for really being pulled into the addiction in a, in a really rough way was I completely began to isolate myself from my entire family. I developed this notion that I've had, you know, I've got to be the tough guy, right? I've got to be the man. I've got to be the one who weathers the storm and everyone else can rely on. I got to be like that stoic, you know, monolithic block of granite that everybody can just look to, (laughs) to, you know, take anything and be anything and whatever the case was. And so I just took, I took all of my grief, all of my anger and frustration and, and basically just shoved it down. And then combined with that, cut myself off from, really opening up to anybody because I had to be strong. I had to be there for them. And that uh, we're going to talk more about it, but that, that played out in all sorts of nasty ways later on. Yeah. And my, you know, the result for me was similar to yours. I just had a different cause. Yeah. And so my growing up, you know, I had a really uh, tumultuous environment with my mom and stepdads, you know, various, various uh, relationships that she had there. And they were, it was world war three all the time. They were at each other. They were, it was this, you know, competition and it was her versus him and him versus her. And what I realized very young was, wow, these adults in my life, you know, this mom and dad uh, that I have, they're so embroiled in their own stuff. They do not have one molecule of attention to give to me. They don't, they have no capacity. And then, so I realized I'm on my own. I'm not going to go to them and ask for help or express my needs, or I just have to basically just pull up my bootstraps and go manage my own life. Yeah. So it was the same result that you're talking about, right? Stoic, like granite. You basically handle it. You don't get, you know, touchy-feely and expressive and air, you know, quote, air your dirty laundry. You just take care of it. Yeah. And so I brought all of that attitude into my marriage. 
Totally. And well, yeah. Well, I mean, and you look how it play, plays out, right? I mean, we learn these things as kids, you know, both of us. And I think a lot of our clients, a lot of our listeners probably fall in that same camp. And and then you combine that with that culture that we've talked about many times about what it is to be, quote unquote, a man. I know that something you and I have in common is we were lacking strong father figures. I had a really strong father figure, but he was gone at 13. And that was that was it. And so all I had to go off of were these Anne of Green Gables phrases, you know, the culture at large <laughs> and my experiences in life. And I just, ha- I continue to have more traumas that sort of reemphasize that. And so when I came into my marriage, it very much, I, I very much had a, I think it was a valiant and well-intentioned view, but it, it was, I mean, I tried to be open and I tried to be vulnerable, but I, I was carrying so much of this baggage that we're talking about that being, being able to be open and vulnerable was, was a struggle. And especially once we got a year into the marriage, uh, we, we, even though things were going really well, once the addiction started up again and the shame came back, it was really hard not to, not to become more stoic. And that kind of became a defense mechanism, right? Anytime she would bring something up or a concern, I'd put on monolith Steve, you know, and just kind of just be a block there and, and, uh, it uh, and 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 it and it was effective and not having to be questioned, but always coming at the cost of connection. Well, and for me, because I saw so much, you know, so much warfare between <laughs> the adult figures in my life. You know, my wife jokes when when I would see a like a a negative expression on her face, or she'd raise an eyebrow, or you know, I I I felt any. Um, any dissatisfaction or concern coming from her toward me, my response was, oh, crap, we're getting divorced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was an instant <laughs> reaction, right? And so then you go into this into this defense mode or offense mode mm-hmm. where it's me versus her. I got to yes. protect myself. I got to hunker down. All the stuff that was modeled to me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we do in marriage. I often ask my clients when they're saying, why do we behave this way? Why do we do this? And I ask them, well, who modeled the marriage behavior for you? Mm-hmm. Where did you learn it? And as they think back, it's like, well, wow, I learned it from the home I grew up in. Yes. And, you know, where else is it going to come from? You bring that with you. And so, of course, you're going to do what you were taught. You're going to do Absolutely. what you saw. And that's why it can be so difficult and frustrating because how do you start to, number one, become mindful of that, to literally be willing to step back and say, wow, maybe this isn't the best way or the right way. Maybe there's some room for change or improvement here. So it takes some mindfulness and some some humility. And then you got to start doing the hard work of actually changing that wiring that was put into your brain, your social brain of what you observed for what? 20 years of your life, 18 years of your life, you saw that modeled. Yeah. You're not going to change that in a little bit of effort in your marriage. It's going to, it's a path, man. Absolutely. Well, and this, and that, you know, with most of our clients, I think, and I know this is the case for me, you, you kind of, most of, most of the guys I work with, we, we tend to develop a, an emotional dichotomy of sorts, right? Where, on the on the one hand, you kind of have this outer exterior. This is how it looked for me, most definitely. You've got this outer exterior, tough candy shell that we're talking about, right? Like, I'm tough, I'm strong, I got this. You know, and in my case, it was, hey, I'm a therapist. I don't need anyone telling me I got to quit 
acting out, you know? <laughs> I mean, whatever the case may be. And that actually just got stronger and stronger to compensate for the opposite, right? The inner insecure, mushy center, which was deep down being 100% convinced. I remember thinking this, Brittany is going to leave me. At mm -hmm. some point, she is going to be done. She's going to wake up one day and be like, what the hell is with this guy? <laughs> and just be out. And I lived in kind of a constant perpetual fear of that. I remember thinking to myself, often, it's not a question of if this marriage is going to end. It's just how long can I keep the charade up before the, you know, the curtain drops and, you know, the Wizard of Oz is revealed for who he really is. And it's not going to yeah. be good. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And for, you know, for me, if, I mean, this is, this is where we get to be like super raw on this podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if, you know, there came a point in my marriage where, you know, after my wife had, we'd been through a lot of rocky stuff for a long time. Uh, I'm trying to think back. It was probably 15 years of marriage when, when she finally came to the place where she just looked straight in my eyes one day and she said, I am really to have to be honest with you and tell you I'm tired of being married to a little boy. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I was just devastated, you know, just like, oh, first of all, I can't believe she said that. <laughs> and second, it just, you know, the, the very, the, the, my, my inner reaction was the very evidence that what she was saying was true. Mm, Cause yeah. my little boy freaked out when she said that. Yeah. She actually said, I don't know that I don't know that I really can love the how you're behaving, that you know, the person that you're that you are. Mm -hmm. She said, I need, I need to be married to a man. And and now we joke. She'll say, Yeah, there was a period of our marriage, you know, we have five sons. And so she'd say, Yep, I was raising six boys. You know, it's kind of the, yeah. it's kind of the joke. Now, a lot of guys hearing this podcast will say, Well, well, wait a second. I mean, I work. I bring home a paycheck. I'm as guys go, I'm, I'm solid. I'm, you know, I'm get it done. I'm, yeah. I'm one of those kind of guys, you know, I got to do the yard work. I'd lift heavy things. Yeah. You no, know, I, I can do manual labor. That's not what my wife was saying. Mm -hmm. She wasn't yeah. questioning that. What she was saying was there's too many times where you, when, when, when I disagree with you or I express my strong opinion, or we have some conflict, you disappear. Yeah. You kind of curl up in this little boy ball and emotionally you, you bail on me. Mm -hmm. And that's what little boys do when, when things get emotionally tough, I need you emotionally to stand up and be a man. She's actually saying in some ways, I need you to, to, to emotionally stand up to me. Yeah. Like, let's be equal and go head to head yes. in our discussions and our honesty and our vulnerability. I need, I need to be equal with you in that way. And yeah. we're not. Yeah. And uh, no, I, geez, I, I love what you're saying. I mean, I, I, you know, and this goes back to that. I, we, there's a lot of dynamics at play. We've already talked about some. But then you throw in that whole, which is proven to be true, men are fixers, women are processors concept, right? Mm -hmm. And what you end up with, I mean, I remember thinking the same thing. There would be times when my wife would try to get vulnerable with me, and I was, of course, averse to it. And, and you know, she'd just say, you know, you're just not here. And I just, I remember saying, like, what, what in the, I've already said hell once, so I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you want from me? 
I cleaned the GD bathroom, right? Like I made dinner last night. Like I took out the trash without you telling me. Like, <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> right. And there's and there's this notion that uh, it's like, in essence, what you're saying is, is or what I was saying was, hey, look, look at me. I'm checking the boxes. And I was. I was checking the boxes in certain areas, obviously not with the addiction and fidelity side, but I was checking the boxes in these other areas. And what she was needing is exactly what you're talking about. It was this, it was this be with me concept. Mm. I mean, just thinking back on how resistant I was to it and how open and vulnerable my wife was and how much I hurt her. Just, it's hard to not get emotional on the podcast. Just thinking about that. It's just, it was almost a pleading, right? Just be with me in, in this moment, be with me in what I'm feeling, connect with me today here. Now I don't need more dinners. I don't need more, I don't need the lawn to be mowed twice in a week. I, I, need, I need you here with me. And, and as addicts, you know, when we're not in recovery because of all these other reasons, we are anything but. Anything but. Yeah, I, yeah, I had a tough time with that. All the guys they work with have, a t- have an initial tough time with understanding this thing called be fully present. Be where you are. The guys will say, well, what do you mean? I'm here. I'm standing on the carpet in this location. Yeah. What do you mean? Be, I'm, I'm here. I'm with you. Except our wives, you know, they, they can sense that we're not, that we're not f- emotionally fully present, that we're not uh, being fully transparent and open with them. We're there, but, they're, but we're not there. And, and as I look back on my heavy addiction years, I now realize that, yeah, I was physically in the house with my wife and my kids. But dad was gone, you know, Mark was someplace else. Yeah. And so this concept, you can't go shift from me to we, you can't go to this place, you know, we're not enemies, we're in this together, we're one. You can't do that if you, if you're not willing to learn this concept of being fully present. Yeah, it's kind of the classic, it's the classic image of the guy who's sitting on the couch well, he's in, he's in his reclined armchair. Let's, let's get honest. <laughs> his wife's on the couch next to him. He's watching a football game. She's talking to him in his right ear, right? Mm-hmm. And he thinks he's fully present. And he's just like, yeah, dear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And he's watching the football game, right? It used to be the old cliche. He's reading the newspaper while his wife is talking to him. And she's like, Put down the damn paper and be with me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's so true. Well, and, and this kind of bleeds into that, uh, you know, our next topic you had actually mentioned just a little bit is this, is this being, uh, being able to see your spouse on equal terms, right? That was, I know that's one that you and I discussed pretty heavily is, is uh, something that I wish both of us had done differently. Um, and in, in my experience, both, you know, personally and with clients, I, I kind of see that coming from, from uh, you know, two sides. There's the side that is probably the more, the more, well, I don't know if one is more or less common, but the equality tends to look like either like this, right? You know, husband above wife, or or even the other, and and it happens for different reasons. I for me, going back to that whole, you know, this is a sham. My wife's going to figure it out one day, kind of a concept. There was a lot of, I mean, no wonder she couldn't figure me out, right? Because on the one hand, there'd be this stoic outer candy shell. And then once in a while, the mushy center would show itself. It'd be like, <laughs> be like, whatever you think, whatever, whatever you want. You know, I'm okay with whatever. I don't care. I don't care what we eat. I don't care. 
just just as long as you're happy, you know? And so just be like these total, like different opposite ends of like, why are you asking me what I want, lady? And then all the way out, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, like, I don't know, whatever's best for you, you know? And it was just never, because there was this, always this oscillating notion and I could never see my, I had the hardest time deep down seeing myself on, on equal terms with my wife. She was so far above me in like every way that mattered. And, and, and I just felt, I felt un, you know me, I hate this word, but I just felt unworthy of her. Mm. I just felt unworthy of being with her. I felt like I, I could not and would not measure up. And so, so yeah, so she was married to, you know, on the outside would just look like, I don't know what's going on with this guy. Cause he's stoic and standoffish and whatever. And then the next minute he's, you know, like he doesn't have an opinion on anything. He's just a spineless jellyfish and then, you know, everything in between. <laughs> Hey everybody, Mark and Steve here. Are you looking to take your recovery and your marriage to the next level? We work with individuals and couples one-on-one. With both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts anytime, anywhere. To learn more, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Yeah, it's this crazy paradox, you know, uh, where, and my wife now, you know, as we've talked over the years that we've been really healthy, she would say, yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know who was going to show up in any given moment. Was it going to be the opinionated, you know, passionate authority on everything, right about everything, Mark, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it, it going to be this sort of wimpy, whining, you know, scared, Oh, sweetheart, are you okay? Right? How can I make you happy? Did I say something wrong? Yes. You know, you know that whole thing. And the vacillation, but the ping pong ball, you know, the ping pong match of which mark is it? Totally. And that's what finally got her to the thing I just expressed, you know, a few minutes ago, where she just got tired of being, you know, when the little boy would show up. Yes. And I Absolutely. see this a lot. So this thing of being equally yoked, you know, uh, being on equal terms with each other. I see mm-hmm. guys who, without knowing it, without being conscious of it, they're very um, dominating. They're yeah. very intimidating. And, and that, that shocked me years later when my wife and I really got healthy and I was in strong recovery and a bit sober a long time. And she had kind of been on her healings journey. She finally, she could say to me, honestly, you know what, Mark, there were a lot of times during the, the year, the early years of our marriage where I was just kind of scared of you. Yes. Now, not physically. I was never physically abusive. Yes. But she, she was scared of expressing her opinion or taking a strong stance when she believed in something, if it was counter to what I was claiming as my position because I would become so dominant and so strong in, you know, my voice would change yeah, and my whole approach where, you know, her opinion just wasn't as valid, as smart, as evolved, as intelligent as mine was. And she could feel that. And I was kind of shocked. I had to go, wow, really? I intimidated you. Mm -hmm. And then as I look back, I was like, whoa, you're right. And so where did that come from? 
it came from the fact that I did not feel inside as strong and powerful and confident as I was portraying on the outside. Yeah. And so yeah. we compensate and we totally. come across as, you know, I'm going to steamroll you if you disagree with me or suggest that I might be mistaken. It's Mark's hard candy shell. <laughs> Mark's hard candy <laughs> shell, right? Yeah. Masking and hiding the soft, chewy center. <laughs> yeah, no, abs absolutely. I mean, I, gosh, uh, there are some things that happen in a marriage. Uh, you know, I think that we all have these, maybe we don't, but I, I definitely have had where there are things that have happened or things that I've done that I wish I could just take back like about a half second after they happen. Yeah. And as you're talking about that, I mean, I remember distinctly one day being in the living room and my wife came in and we'd, we'd had a rough day. I think I'd, I'd, knowing where I was, I'm sure I'd relapsed recently. It was not, that would, that's not out of the ballpark. And she came in and wanted to really talk. And, it, and this is, this is after I already been stoic. And I remember she walked in the room and I already had the phrase loaded for bear. She came in and she was, she tried to talk to me. I just looked at her look, and I just said, look, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, this is who I am and it's not going to change. And if you don't like it, there's the door oh. yourself out. I know. I mean, I, I say it now and it just makes me like physically ill. Um, I just cannot, I, I, I am shocked at how those words, that, that those words would even come out of me because that's so out of character for me, but what it was very much not making an excuse for it, but it was that, it was that defense mechanism, right? It's that guy that's deep down for all the reasons that we've been talking about on this podcast so far, uh, was saying you cannot, you must not, you will not be vulnerable. You cannot be in the moment with, with this person. You're not safe. You're not worth them. You're not enough. You can't let them see who you are. Like you have to keep that defended at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, it's the big joke, right? I'd rather be dead than wrong. Yes. Absolutely. You know, it's just like, what? Perfect, perfect line. <laughs> and what, <clears throat> you know, what we don't, what we, what we can't come to grips with because, because no one's helped us see it is all of that is just uh, the way that we've learned to self-protect. It's, yes. that, it's that amazing but frustrating survival brain, you know, using tactics and strategies that it developed when you were small. Yeah. You just learned how to survive and to, mm -hmm. you know, to put up your big wall around you and your strategies, and you carry those into your relationship and you keep using them. Yeah. Until you get to the place where you're, you're at least willing to start to let down your guard and start to, to look at what is underneath all of this. What's driving these behaviors of mine? You know, can yeah. I become mindful that I go silent? I give my, give my wife the silent treatment. Mm -hmm. Why do I do that? That doesn't make sense. Why would you shut down? Why would you disappear when the, the healthy thing to do is, is to open up and actually dialogue? Yeah. Nope, I go quiet and shut down and disappear. Well, there's a reason for that. Yeah. So why do I erupt with anger like a, like a trip hammer? Just boom, there's the anger switch. And now Mark is raging. Totally. Well, that's not healthy and normal. So what's that about? So to get to the place where you're willing to start to look at these things is so critical. Absolutely. Well, and, and there's one last element to this, and I'm, I'm watching our time, so I'll we don't want to overextend everybody, but uh, this is, I know we, we know that we try to put, put a joking spin on this. This is pretty heavy stuff for a lot of you out there. Yeah. We're aware of that. 
um, we were able to look back on it now and hopefully a little bit of healthy humor makes it a little more bearable because it is, it is hard. Um, but, uh, there is one last element to this begin to, to looking at your spouse on equal terms. I know that I have clients and I know that you have clients. We've talked about this both past and current who really struggle for other reasons to see their spouse as an equal aside from the shame, aside from the other components because of the up, their upbringing, right? There was a, an actual like portrayal of that sometimes even in word, you know, men are better than women. Um, and that still goes on today. It's less yes. prevalent, but still happens. And then we won't even get into it for sake of time, but the pornography factor that we talk about so often, right, in so many ways feeds into that line of thinking that women are, use the terminology subservient, which I, which I love, right? It's this notion of men are, are kind of the ones that are superior. They're the ones who are, who are in, 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 in charge or in control or driving the sexual in, encounter or whatever the case is. And the wife is kind of being dominated over yes. um, far too common. Right. And I, I guess the thing that I would say to that is I, I, I mean, I, all I can do is speak to my own, my own uh, truth with that. When I look at my wife now, and I ascribe to the idea that my, my wife and I, we are, we are a son and a daughter of God respectively. When I think about the fact that she is, because of that in my book, royalty, and, and, and when I look at her and I think back on our dating and how much we've gone through in this recovery process and how much she's been patient with in my mistakes and, and, and been there for both my victories and my downfalls and everything in between, the fact that she exercised her agency at one point in time and could have chosen to be with anybody, and for some in some ways, still unfathomable reason decided to choose me. I just can't help but see her on those terms. And I know that that's a struggle for some of you out there, but would really in a loving but forceful way encourage you to take a long, hard look at how you're viewing your spouse. Um, Because a marriage cannot operate in a healthy place when one is domineering over the other. Either way, it's a team effort. Uh, Your wife did not sign up to be you know, subservient to you, nor did she sign up to be domineering and running the show. She signed up for a partner. And if you can, as you work on yourself and work on the insecurities and, and those things that hold you back, uh, that's the thing that you want to, one of the many things you want to be looking for to be pacing with is being able to really see using Mark's phrase into me, you see, you know, the exercising true intimacy and really seeing her for who and what she is, because I guarantee you, the more accurately you see that, the more those old, frankly, archaic attitudes will dissipate. No, I love that. You know, and I'd, I'll just say one final thing before we kind of wrap up with our last point. <clears throat> you know, we, a lot of times, I was just talking with a client about this the other day. If you tried, if, if your reason for uh, disengaging from pornography or sexual addiction to, to, to stop those behaviors if your primary motivation is because it's bad, evil, wicked, and dirty, mm-hmm. that is not going to be enough no. to, to, to drive you to make the right decisions and, and to get sober and stay that way. It's just not enough. Yeah. However, as you start to evolve in your thinking, and we talk about this thing of being one with our spouse, coming to this place of being equally yoked, if you take a look, take a look at the form of pornography and what it portrays, in relation to the, the relationship between man and woman, 
it is exactly opposite of what we've been talking about today. Yes. It is not equally yoked. Every, virtually every portrayal in it shows an unequal relationship where one is domineering and the other one is subservient, right? This, this concept of the woman servicing the man. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to get too blunt about this, but I invite the guys who are listening to this, if you're having an issue with pornography, start to consider do I want to be involved with something that portrays such an unequal relationship? Yeah. I, because you have to admit that because you're, you're seeing it and participating in it, you cannot avoid modeling the behaviors that you're viewing. Absolutely. I mean, advertisers, if they can affect us in a 30-second ad and literally, and literally affect our behaviors, which is shown in research, then what does 30 minutes or an hour or two hours of pornography do to yeah. our resulting behaviors? So just in the spirit of respect and equal man and woman relationships, that in and of itself is a reason to disengage from that pornography. Absolutely. And I love what you're saying. You can't, you can't wallow in a mud slop and expect to not come out dirty to some degree. Yeah. Um, it just, you just can't. And it's so true. Well, uh, we'll we'll wrap up with our la last but definitely not least point, right? Which is letting learning to let go of your spouse's recovery and let her own it. Um, letting go of control. Now, I know that this concept is going to be foreign to pretty much everyone listening because nobody on this podcast is controlling in any way. So <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely not apply to anyone. <laughs> Maybe just to Steve. <laughs> but if by any chance it does apply to you, you know, there's uh, speaking to my own experience. And, and again, this is reflected in the lives of clients I see all the time. Um, more than I realized, looking back far more actually than I realized, I was trying to make recovery in my own life, not just happen on my terms. I was trying, which never works. Recovery never happens on your terms. Okay, there's a tidbit for the day ever. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but I was trying even and even more logically, I was trying to kind of make her recovery happen on my terms. And I remember I did that out of all sorts of points of fear. One of them is going back to what we were talking about before. Man, if this lady gets, if she gets recovery and she, she starts expecting stuff, what does, that, <laughs> what does that mean, right? Like, what does that yeah. mean for us? And, and the reality is, is, is that uh, the harder you try to control your spouse's recovery, uh, she's going to, she's gonna, two things are going to happen. She's going to struggle, continue to struggle with her own self-confidence, her own gaslighting, her own, you know, the gaslighting you're, you're portraying with her, all of the thinking errors and the insanity that come with betrayal trauma. And she's going to resent you in the process as well. Um, for me, I, I, I was reading uh, a religious, a popular religious leader, uh, favorite of mine's quote. Um, and I was, I was reading through this talk that, that he'd given. And uh, the, I was in kind of an early recovery stage in this phrase just jumped out off of the page. He was talking about the relationship with his wife and how in other ways, not in a, in a addiction way, but in other ways, he recognized he'd been in some ways kind of domineering. And he, and he said, uh, I'm going to butch, butcher the quote a little bit, but he said, at some point in time, I finally came to the realization that I just needed to get out of her way and let her fly. Mm. And like just totally backhanded me across the face, this concept of, you know what? I'm not the expert and I'm definitely not the expert on my own life. I'm, I'm most certainly not on hers. And the more I'm able to let go of her recovery and focus on my own, she's going to be able to be the woman that she wants, 
that she truly wants to and is meant to be instead of being molded in some way into what I think she should be or what we should be. Yeah, no, it's a great point. You know, we often, you and I often talk about, uh, you know, couples who are in crisis because of addiction and betrayal trauma often will think that the answer is to immediately jump into couples counseling. Let's fix our marriage Mm -hmm. and then everything will be fine, except it doesn't work that way. Uh, A lot of my clients have actually come to me out of couples counseling where it just didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that has to happen is that you have to, in some ways, be an individual. So I'm going to individually work on my recovery and doing what I need to do to break out of this addiction and get healthy. Mm-hmm. And my wife is going to be working on her recovery and her you know, healing from betrayal trauma and traveling her path. And so they're, they're separate paths, but they're parallel And the beauty is, as we both allow each other to make progress on those individual paths, they now start to come together. And you'll find that there's this natural interweaving of the paths as they now, over time, do truly become one. But you can't start that way. You have to allow each other to do the individual work. Now, you can support each other, right? Mm -hmm. You can be a cheerleader and you can help try to provide an environment where each can travel their path, but they still have to travel their path and you need to be willing to let them do that. Yeah. Well, and there's, and there's a lot of fear and I know a lot of guys out there, I hear this, this one really commonly all the time. It's kind of what I was alluding to before where, you know, if I let go, you know, what's going to happen? Will she stick around? Will she stay? And to be honest with you, there is no guarantee of that, but I can guarantee you one thing. If you continue down that path, if you are, in fact, you know, trying to manage or manipulate or, or you know, kind of direct that, that, uh, that recovery, you're really choosing to end your marriage just in a really slow way because nobody can function in a relationship, you or, or your spouse, in, in, a, in a relationship in which they can't be them. Yes. And the sooner you're able to just get out of the way and, and take ownership of your own stuff, devote, your, devote that and channel that energy into your own recovery and you allow her to do the same thing, even though there is that risk, right? That maybe the marriage won't last. The other side of it, and what I see far more commonly, is that that the the former is a lot less common, and the following is a lot more so. Your wife actually now has the freedom for maybe the first time ever to actually really choose you Mm. on her own terms. Not because she's being forced into it or gaslighted into it or cajoled or whatever the case is, but because she is a strong, independent woman, the woman that you always wanted to be with all along and is saying, you know what? I could leave. I could be done. You have heard this relationship a lot, but you're worth it and I'm worth it. And I choose us. There's yeah. a, there are far feeling, there are far few feelings in the world that are better than that one. Well, and I have a, I have a personal experience about that, that I'll kind of finish up with in my comments today. So after a lot of work on my personal recovery and my wife doing a lot of her work, a uh, number of years ago, it came to the place where I let her truly see me with all of my stuff, good, bad, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so to speak. She knew me for the first time fully. Yeah. I had opened myself up and been vulnerable and transparent. It was hard. It took years. But then one day she came to me. I'll never forget this. She actually embraced me and hugged me. And you can feel a real hug, right? Yeah, It's just so intimate and just so all-encompassing. And then she whispered in my ear and she said, you are precious to me. 
And I, yeah. I, I'm feeling chills right now just sharing that. But after seeing the real me, everything about me, and then her choosing, choosing to be with that guy. Yeah. There's something liberating about knowing my wife knows everything about me. Yeah. And she chooses me. Yeah. And not only does she choose me, I'm precious to her. That changed me. I swear to you. I was just like, uh, wow. That wow. is incredible. Yep. Those kinds of experiences are, they definitely are touching on the eternal in my book. Those, yeah. those are amazing things. Yeah. Well, everybody, it's been great. Sorry we went a little bit over time, but we kept it under 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing um, for us. <laughs> and and uh, these, all of these topics that we've talked about the last couple of episodes, I know that we scanned them briefly. As always, we would love to hear from you. If you want to hear more about any one of these topics on any given podcast, send us an email, shoot us an email, visit us at uh, pbscpodcast.com. And um, there's a contact form on there. You can ask questions. You can say what you like about the show, what you don't like. We'd love to hear from you. And, and we're happy to guide these episodes in a way that, you know, is going to resonate most with you guys and be the most, be of the most help. We, we appreciate you tuning in with us each week. So uh, with regard to the assignment this week, um, I think we're going to probably just continue largely along the lines with last week. Uh, which is to pick one of these things to work on. But I think I'd expand on that a little bit more this week. If if any of you are not, if any of you have a spouse who is not listening to this podcast, I would strongly, strongly recommend that you have them listen to it and set a goal. If you're looking for an easy way to establish some connection this week and a really, and a, and a, and, and a way to, you know, be able to bring up some healthy topics and some things to discuss in maybe a less direct way, less confrontational way, share this episode with your spouse, whoever, you know, whatever end that is, and, and set a goal to talk about at the end of the week. What did you like? What did you not? What, what things do you want to recommit to and change? And, and where do you want to go? So love it. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. See you next week. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. It's connection. Together, we can do the impossible. To learn more about Mark and Steve and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.